Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Terry N., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 19th, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book on page XV, the forward to the second edition. We're in the third paragraph, starting with the spark that was to flare, and reading one paragraph. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Laura M., 12 Traditions, Diane G., reading the text are Hoodie R., Madeline R., and Rachel W. The share ID for Tuesday, December 18th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 12,310. That's 12310. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 12,312. That's 12312. Our newcomer greeter is Leon B. And the host for our second hour is Rebecca B. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laura M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to be serving. 
Thank you, Laura M. I will now ask Diane G. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, OA group ought, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such never be organized, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on in the forward to the second edition on page XV, the third paragraph, starting with the spark that was to flare in the first, the spark that was to flare. I will now ask Hoodie R to please get us started. Good morning, Hoodie. Good morning. Good morning, Terry and Thank you so much for your service. Great to hear you. My name is Hoodie R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. Following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day, 
He had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism, who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members, and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution in those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in independence upon God. And again, um, wow, what a paragraph. And this is, this is the spark. This is the beginning of um, the, the, how it all began and how um, you know the spark was to flare, and that's the carrying of the message. Um, and that's, you know, when, when I carry the message to someone else, that is the start of um, of recovery. Um, carrying this message, you know, the New York stockbroker that was um, Bill um, that was Bill W. giving um, carrying the message to um, Dr. Bob, who was the physician, who was um, crippled by this disease as well, and um, you know, six months you know six months earlier, that's when Bill W. Um, was relieved by a sudden experience in that hospital after being told about the Oxford Group's movement um, from Ebby, his old schoolboy friend. And um, and what, what, what Ebby shared with him about the Oxford Group's and about the, the spiritual experience that has to, that has to come before when to help someone to recovery that that is necessary for a full psychic change that one has to do. But Dr. Um, but what um, Dr. William D. Silkworth, you know, um, and I was, um, you know, we were studying how um, Bill W. for six months would try to carry the message, but only would preach about the spiritual, about the spiritual um, application, about the Oxford groups, and he wasn't helping anyone to get sober. And um, after he met with Dr. William D. Silkworth, this doctor who gave up his time and also, of his, um, you know, gave up his um, physicianal um, um, standing um, to say what the problem was, that this was, that there was a physical aspect of the problem. And, um, the grave nature of what this disease was all about, that I have an allergy of um, uh, allergy to certain substances, that when I pick them up and I consume just one bite of any of my allergic foods, it sets up a phenomenal craving that I want more and more of the same, and there's no stopping. And then besides that, the worst, my worst problem is that I have a mental problem my mind, that once I pick, um, you know, that my mind, even when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm absent only, my mind keeps telling me, making up lies, that, you know, I could, I could have that food again, that it's been, it's been, a, it's been long enough um, of, of abstinence, you can handle this, you can handle it better this time, and all these lies, um, all these lies, Created, created in my head um, that brings me back to picking up that first bite and then my allergy is triggered, my physical allergy is triggered, and I can't stop. And once I stop, I can't stop. 
and when I when and I can't stay staffed for long because of the mental obsession. Um, and with that, I pass. Looking forward to hearing everyone else. Bye. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Hoodie. Um, okay, so I'm going to open it up to share. If you just joined us, we are in the forward to the second edition, page XV, the third paragraph, starting with the spark that was to flare, and we're just reading that one paragraph. Please just say your name once and allow me to say it back to you, and then we'll go to the next person, and that way I can get everybody I hear. Okay? All right. Who would like to share? Should I yeah, Abby from Katie G from Boston. Larry I got Harlan Harlan I got Katie. I got Katie, Larry, Ginger, Harlan. Siobhan C. Tina S. Siobhan and Tina. Sally A. And Sally. We'll stop there. I can't write that fast. <laughs> Sally was the last one I said, right? Okay. Okay, um, I have Katie G, Larry K, Ginger, I don't I think it might be C, Harlan G, Siobhan, I'm not sure, Tina S, and Sally, Sally. So we'll start with Katie G, please go ahead, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G, Recovered. In Boston, and I guess what I'm thinking, because there's so much to think about these pages, is um, this very clear guidance on how to live my life, right? So before I came into the rooms, anything happened to me, and I wanted to sit in a room alone and solve my problems. And if I left my room, it was to get you to take my side and to have a ticker tape parade for how bad my life was and maybe give me permission to binge my brains out, right, or drink or whatever. And um, today as a recovered woman, I'm not immune from life. I'm not immune from feelings. Um, But what I have today that I feel so blessed by is, you know, what we're talking about in terms of this way of living like this moral inventory you know daily like god what are my what's my delusional thinking about this situation because if i'm disturbed it's because i'm afraid and if i'm afraid i'm 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 gonna be angry right if i if i let it get that far and i'm delusional about something going on in my life that it has to be different for me to be okay right and then this um confession talking to you guys saying what's going on What's going on? My character defects are activated again. Restitution, such a big word, restitution. I'm going through the steps again, thank God, um, to go deeper because I like the effect produced by the steps and by God, and, um, and I can get blocked. And, um, you know, looking at the restitution that I owe to my mother who for the 15 years I've been doing resentment work on her, I continue to be blocked and blame her for things that, no, you don't get to blame anybody anymore, Katie. You get to be an adult now. Restitution and change. Change with my husband being a different woman because if I'm not, then eating will be a step up from how I feel, right? And then quiet time. And how about belief and dependence on God? You know, and that is very challenged for me at times, especially when life is hard, which life can be hard and painful. And for me, belief and dependence starts 
with the fact that I don't put that food in my mouth and I get on my knees and bow to God and I say thank you and I need you and 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 we I don't know what's going on God this we my life just took a turn and I was going that way and now we're going somewhere else and what does this mean God and a breakdown of okay so God we took a different turn so where are we going so I'm not going to depend on the food today, God, and I am, God will, not going to act out in my character defects. So show me, teach me, and set aside everything I think I know about how my life should look, and I'll end with this, and show me who to be, and depending on God and not Katie to run the show. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Next up is Larry K. followed by Ginger C. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, the uh, boy, there is so much here packed in here. And um, I won't talk as, as much about the history, although I will say that, you know, what, what, what really hits me this morning is, is Bill with his sudden experience. And I, I think I used to, to feel like, wow, there's, there's people like Bill in Towns Hospital, he, you know, by his own admission had this kind of sudden sort of white light experience and you know that that's you know reserved for I'd like two mint milkshakes with that as well uh I'd like McFlurries as well with that sorry what I'm just ordering some food here give me a second uh yes I would I'm sorry Larry go ahead And do you have any of those Twix McFlurries, Joe, when you have the, the sweets and the ice cream? That's really nice. Uh, I love that. I'm sorry, Larry. Could you continue? Okay, now I don't hear anyone. <laughs> Can I be heard? Larry K. Star yes, 1. Yes, you can be heard. Okay. You can be we heard. Are. Yep, we hear you. We're not a glum lot, right? There we go. I'm back, I'm back. So I'll, I'll finish Thanks. up with this. I'll finish up with this. That um, I know people on the line, you know, 17 years, you know, and uh, mine was five years of not willing to change, and I stayed sick, and I stayed suffering. When I was ready to change and follow the instructions precisely, yeah, I had kind of a sudden change. It was fairly sudden. And, um, and I, think, I think that's the case for a lot of people. Um, so five years of, of still being in the food, five years of still following my own program, really sponsoring myself, five years where I lacked, you know, humility, five years of not really wanting to change and surrender, and then when I followed the instructions precisely, I had the courage to, to you know, get up to the, to the edge of the cliff and, and take a leap because I didn't know what was going to happen. And then pretty suddenly I began to change and the obsession was lifted. I think that's what happened with Bill. You know, so was it a dimmer switch that slowly came on or was it the flick of a light switch? You know, who's to say it's all in God's hands, I believe. But I've changed, and there is no question the obsession was lifted. And, you know, it's been gone ever since. And I, I don't live a perfect life. How could I? I'm human. But, um, but I can, you know, you can, you can get someone on the line, and they can chitter-chatter and sabotage and so forth. And you know what? 
it doesn't affect me. It really doesn't, you know, because it's it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful to be a part of this, this, this deal. So thank you so much for your service. God bless, and I pass. Thank you so much, Larry. Sorry for the interruption. Uh, Ginger C., you're up, followed by Harlan G. Hi, good morning, Terry, and thank you so much for your service. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And I just love this idea um, of the one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic, and then this recovery can begin. And this is how incredibly simple this program is. That's all it takes. And then this miracle happens, this drink obsession, this food obsession, this nightmare of eating and eating over and over again, thinking this is the only existence you will ever know. And then this food obsession is lifted from following these clear-cut directions exactly, precisely. You become neutral. You're no longer thinking about food. You're driving right by it, and you could care less. So again, it's just a simple program, and I just love that they say this medical saying, I love Dr. Silkworth, and I'm amazed by who he was in the time period he was, how he put himself out on the line for alcoholics. You know, doctors are always right. They have the hugest egos of all. And this guy's willing to tell us, I don't know how to help you people because it's beyond my medical sense, my book sense. It's about a power that you need to tap into. And thank God he wrote what he did because I think each and every one of us as food addicts, I know for me, the greatest message I got from his words were entire abstinence. Never saw it in a way, never understood it. And I fared forth in high hope, just like Bill, when he finally understood his disease, because I saw clearly what I was doing wrong. I kept letting the ingredients slip in backwards, and of course I was going to be face down in the food again, over and over relapsing. So entirely abstinent, 100%. I had to clean it out. And once I did, I felt freedom pretty fast. Because this allergy component was no longer in my body. So again, thank God for that, Dr. Silkworth, because I think that's the beginning for all of us with food addiction. It's putting the fork down in a way that you've probably never put it down before, and it's finding freedom like you've never felt before. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Harlan G., you're up, followed by Siobhan C. Thank you, Terry, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. Bill Wilson is going to get sober in December of 1934. He is going to get the information on the spiritual solution to the problem from Ebby Thatcher. Dr. Silkworth told Bill Wilson the problem. What did he tell Bill Wilson? He told Bill Wilson of the physical allergy. He told Bill Wilson of the mental twist. He told Bill Wilson of the absolute need for entire abstinence. And he told Bill Wilson that any account of this disease which leaves out the physical factor is incomplete. All groundbreaking information 
for centuries, and we're going to get more into this as we go into the doctor's opinion, for centuries this was thought to be weak will, stupidity, lack of willpower, lack of character, and on and on, all the things that we have been told all our lives. Now let's get a little specific here, because let's answer a question. It says here, <coughs> excuse me, um, though he could, he learns the grave nature of alcoholism, the allergy and the twist. <coughs> excuse me, though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford Group. What is it that he could not accept? He's going to accept the six steps. But the problem that Bill's going to have is accepting absolute honesty, absolute unselfishness, absolute love, and absolute purity, which were the four tenets of the Oxford group. And he knew that drunks were having trouble staying anything but absolutely soused. He is going to go to Akron, and we're going to get more into this in the next couple of days, but let's introduce it this morning. He's going to Akron to take over Akron Tool and Dye Company, which was a tool and dye maker of tire equipment for the tire industry in Akron. He is going to have a meeting with Dr. Silkworth at the urging of his wife when he comes home and says, in March of 1935, I'm trying to get these people sober. Nobody's getting sober. She turns around and changes the history of the world and says, you're getting, you're staying sober. And it hit him that for the first time in his adult life, he was staying sober. So he learned that by trying to pass the message, he learned through experience that he himself could stay sober. And Dr. Silkworth is going to tell him after a visit, you've got to stop, as Hoodie said, you've got to stop preaching to these people from some moral hilltop. Tell them what I told you of the grave nature of alcoholism. Tell them of the allergy of the body. Tell them of the twist of the mind and that the disease is fatal. And the first person that he's going to work this on, after getting to Akron, the business venture fails. He's in the Mayflower Hotel. Um. It's May of 35, the day before Mother's Day. And the first person he's going to try this on? is Dr. Bob, and the rest is history. We'll get more into it in the days to come. Same bat time tomorrow, same bat channel. See you then. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Siobhan C., you're up, followed by Tina S. Hi. May, may I be heard? Yes. Okay, thank you. Good morning, family. This is Siobhan C. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, who's bi-coastal between New York and Los Angeles. Um, I, um, I love this part, though he could not accept all the tenets of um, the Oxford groups. He was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession, restitution, and the, nece- and the, dependence, the necessity of uh, belief and dependence upon God. And that just shows that those are the four things that we really need to do. And that's what the Oxford group did. I mean, that's what they, those are the four, um, those are the four things that they, that were, that they did follow. And for me, one of the things that I couldn't accept is that I couldn't accept people who told me that I needed to put down food before I started the steps. I got recovered in five days. 
100% recovered. I've got more freedom than anyone I know. It all happened in five days. That's what I transmit. And I did not put down food before I started the steps. I'm not suggesting that people eat. I've been misquoted on this line by people who attack me and say, oh, you know, you're encouraging people to eat. No, I'm just trying to help the people that got kicked to the curb who are struggling and drowning, who are desperate and drowning like in the food, who can't stop eating because it kind of to me is like saying to a type 1 diabetic, oh, why don't you control your insulin that you can't control for four days? And then once you can control something that's uncontrollable without the spiritual higher power and all these things, then I'll help you and I'll give you the insulin you don't need. It just is absolutely does it seems like that seems insanity to me. I've helped so many people, a hundred people around the world get recovered who never put down the food. So I'm just saying, if you can't put down the food, please call me. I'll help you in five days and 16 hours. You'll get recovered. You'll help other people. So many people struggling on this line who also couldn't put down the food. So again, not to be misquoted by people who attack me. We have a common singular purpose. You know, we, we're all here just to stop eating compulsively. For me, compulsively eating is any bite, one bite that's more than I need to fit, satiate my physical hunger. If you're eating, it's a, you know, I think weights a matter, whatever. It's like I, I'm here to help. That's our only aim. On page 89, I get up at 2 in the morning to call this line every morning just because I love all of you so much and I really want to help you. I, I was drowning myself. Thank God I went to the length of Australia to find somebody who was help, willing to help me. That's where I had to go to Australia, to somebody who was, who was willing to say to me, you don't need to put down the food. I know you're desperate. I understand you get it. In the doctor's opinion, when it says more often than not, a man needs brains needs to be cleared more often than not is 50, 51% of the time or more. I know that from court where I, I litigate. I mean, thank you. Thank you, Siobhan C. Tina S., you're up, followed by Sally, and I didn't get your last initial Sally. Go ahead, Tina. Thanks so much, Terry, for your service. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow. Heard some really great stuff this morning. Grateful to be on the line. And, you know, what struck me and always strikes me is the spark, a fiery particle thrown off was to flare. And that is what was already been shared, you know, one alcoholic sharing with another to get this thing called recovery one day at a time. You know, and I am too awed by um, Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob and, and, and the movement, you know, and grateful for the Oxford group, you know. And, you know, one of the things that I know today is that it, they tell me right here that what the, what the real problem is, is lack of power, you know, belief and dependence upon a power greater than myself. And, you know, I, and the grave nature, love it, love it, love it, because it is very grave. You know, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind that keeps me stuck in a place that I can't get out, you know, that quicksand. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about th this paragraph for sure is that it, it gives me the hope that there is to come the solution that, you know, uh, um, a message of depth and weight, which will solve my problem. And that comes from a power greater than myself. You know, I do the footwork. I'm willing to believe that there's something bigger than me out there that will solve my problem and that I can live happily joyously and free in this world today without the obsession of food or any other addiction that I have because this is the only solution I have ever found. 
you know, and I'm just so grateful for the people that have carried it to me so that I can freely give it to others because that is where recovery is, giving it away so that I can keep it, you know. And initially it was all about selfish stuff, and today it's not so much. And that's the transformation that comes about through me from a psychic change that I care a little more about you today than I do me, and that's not on my own. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great meeting. Thank you so much, Tina S. Sally, you're up. Hi, good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Sally A. from New Jersey. My phone just died, like, literally a minute ago. So this is God that I'm on the phone right now. <laughs> what timing. I really wanted to share this morning. Um um, I wanted to address the whole medical saint thing because I think that's such a beautiful reverence to Dr. Um, Silkworth. And to me, he was like more of a medical prophet. Like he had a, such an important message. Um, my whole life, I felt like everything was my fault. You know, the addiction, um, just the way everything was in my in my childhood. I just took everything so personal. Everything was my fault, even this addiction. And because of this medical prophet, you know, he took that shame away from me, you know, and, and now I don't blame myself for it anymore. Um, it's just one less thing I blame myself for. And um, that's huge. That was huge for me. And, you know, last night I, I acted out on a yellow light food and I, and I knew that something was wrong because I was eating more than I should. And now it's now... Uh, an alcoholic food for me and without that knowledge you know I would have bullshitted my whole way through it you know um, or I would have blamed myself for it you know um, so that's all I have thank you for letting me share thank you so much Sally okay so if you joined us late we are in the forward to the second edition on page XV the third paragraph starting with the spark that was to flare and we're reading that one paragraph. Vasa one... Wait a minute. Barbara. <laughs> Barbara okay. E. I got Vasa, Barbara E. Andy S. Lori, was there a Lori? Yep, Lori A. Lori A. Did I hear Sandy? Yes, Sandy S. Oh, thank you so much, you guys. All right. <laughs> Anne Marie M. Anne Marie. Terry C. And Terry C. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Fasa O, you're up, followed by Barbara E. All right. Thank you, Terry, for your service. And Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from, from Florida. And it takes whatever it takes. I had the gift of desperation. I did not know what was wrong with me. I found coming to my, to, um, my first meeting, I found the information, uh, the allergy of the body, and the obsession of the mind, and put the food down. And there's no any other way. I was told, it was a suggestion. If you want to do it, you do it. If you don't, that's up, up to you. Put the food down first, and then do the rest of the steps. And I remember saying to my sponsor, well, how am I going to do that? Well, she's, you've been trying to do it by yourself, by your own willpower for years, and I 
tried to do it by myself and by my willpower. I couldn't do it. So we, you know, we have to find a power greater than ourselves to help us. And I had the gift of desperation. Oh, my God, I was just so ready and willing. I said, you know what? I will ask. I will ask. Uh, I will submit to a power greater than myself. I will submit to the 12 steps. I will submit to anybody just to be freed from this compulsive, obsessive behavior because it was just going to kill me. So I took the, took the suggestions. I wish I could tell it was easy. It was very hard for me to put the, my, allerg- my cocaine down, my um, foods that I was allergic to, but God was there to help me, and I had my program people to support me and just to put it down and let it go and work the rest of the steps that were laid out. This is my experience so it takes whatever it takes. This is what has worked for me for 33 years because I found a power greater than myself with the food and everything gradually in my life. What a freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. We have Barbara E. You're up, followed by Lori A. Wonderful. Can I be heard? Yes. Uh, that's a good start. Well, I'm going to take a slightly different turn. Um, Last night, I was definitely interrupting and sabotaging my sense of composure and relaxation within the program. We went out for a lovely evening, our 52nd wedding anniversary. It was wonderful. Our son drove us there and picked us up again like an Uber driver. So we wouldn't have to do that. When we returned, my husband and son noticed a scratch on my loner car from the auto body shop. They immediately said, you must have done it. The you set me off on a downward spiral of sabotaging and interrupting myself. Not with food. Thank goodness for that. But I was angry, I was resentful, I immediately withdrew. I woke up this morning still angry and resentful and fearful. So I prayed for them. I said, I said the set-aside prayer for myself, asking God, what, what would God want me to do? And I know I have to make restitution to them for sabotaging, interrupting a lovely evening by withdrawing and fearing, feeling fearful and angry and resentful. So the 12 steps have helped me to understand when I go in a wrong direction, when I try to interrupt and sabotage my feeling of relaxing into the program. I did not pick up the food over it. I went to bed. I turned my, uh, so my body away from my husband. I said to him, I want you to know I love you, but it hurts my feelings when I get blamed for things. And I understand. I bumped into things before, so I understand why they thought it was me. But I know what I have to do this morning, and you all on this meeting helped me to clarify. 
I need to say, I apologize. I love you from the bottom of my heart, just as I love every one of you from all over the world who identified themselves this morning. Thank you so much, I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Lori A., you're up, followed by Sandy S. Lori A., please press star one to unmute. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lori A., compulsive eater, uh, recovering, not recovered yet. Um, hopefully that will happen for me. Um, I love this paragraph. It just, everything that came together for Bill to get sober. Abby had had to get sober first, and then Bill is sitting there, and he could go into the bar at the Mayflower Hotel, but he does God's will instead and calls the hospital, and this is where he meets Dr. Bob. And, you know, just from there, it is an amazing journey of what happens. And every time I I read it, every time I read the history or hear more history, I just get goosebumps and goosebumps and goosebumps because um, this book is here for us as well. And I'm, I just love the big book. I'm just so glad you guys are doing this. I, I've only been listening to the meetings now since the middle of November, and I just really, really, really enjoy them. So thank you so much for doing this. And the last maybe one or two sentences I really enjoy as well because that's basically the, the, the steps all in one sentence pretty much, you know. He was convinced of the need for moral inventory. That's the fourth step. Confession of personal defects fifth, sixth, and seventh, and then restitution to those harmed uh, and helplessness to others or helpfulness to others. You know, restitution to those harms, eight and nine, helpfulness to others, step 12, and, you know, the step, the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God, that's all throughout the whole, you know, all throughout the whole 12 steps. And the necessity, they put that at the very end, you know, it's so important the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. You know, I need to believe that there is a higher power in my life that I can turn to, and I need to depend upon that higher power. That is a part of my program that I know I need more work in. Um, So I just want to thank you guys and, and thank you all for everything you do because it's really, I'm from London, Ontario, Canada, and it's really nice to um, hear you guys from all over the states and all over the world. So thanks. Pass. Thank, thank you, Lori. I, uh, Sandy S., you're up, followed by Anne-Marie. Thanks. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, North Carolina. And the part that I related to was uh, first, uh, he was relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. That's what happened to me um, many, many years ago. I still don't know why it happened, and people on this line might recall me saying it, but it probably is the most important thing that happened in my life. And what happened was I was just totally into eating and throwing up, 
I mean, that to me, there was just no way I was going to ever give that up. Like, yeah, you know, I can eat and I can stay thin. And someone from OA, you know, said to me that compulsive overeating and love can't coexist. Because I remember telling her, I said, I don't feel anything for anyone except food. And then I had this experience where I was just hugging this person that I worked with, you know, in his home. It wasn't sexual. It was just, and I felt this light go from his heart to my heart. I, I, it was just this incredible experience. And I thought, this is love. This is better than food. I'm done. I mean, like, it was just like, wow, where did that come from? You know, I'll never know. I'll never know. All I know is that from that moment on, abstinence was the most important thing in my life because that love experience, that experience of really something so much more fulfilling than the food could ever be. And that's, that's, it, it, it was so many years ago, but I feel it like just happened or is happening. And that's a miracle to me. Um, because I didn't do anything to earn it. I was just going to OA meetings and binging my brains out. Uh, the other thing is belief and dependence upon God, and that's an area where I really struggle, you know, but I am open to it. Even having had that spiritual experience, it doesn't seem to have made the difference. It made the difference with food, but just not with that knowing that there is a God that cares. I mean, I know there's a God, but is there one that cares? So just my daily practice is just being open to evidence of God in my life each day, not forcing it, just being open. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. Anne-Marie, you're up, followed by Terry. Did you call me, Anne-Marie? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, this is Anne-Marie M., a uh, compulsive overeater, gratefully recovering from uh, compulsive eating. And uh, I marked up my book to so that I could see where the instructions were, where the prayers were, the promises, a warning. So, um, and what I got out of the, uh, the second paragraph here was um, a, an instruction, a couple of instructions and a promise. And in that second part of that first sentence, um, on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an, an alcoholic, I find that that's what I need to do to be able to, um, you know, stay, stay sober, stay abstinent. Um, the promise is, but he succeeded um, only in keeping himself sober. I mean, he kept himself sober. God, through God's grace, I, I don't think he did it, but through God's grace, he remained sober because he was helping other alcoholics. And on page 77, uh, that, I think it's my favorite sentence in the whole book, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to the people about us. And I see that Bill was certainly doing God's work, whether he realized it or not, um, he was doing what God, I believe, intends for all of us to do, to be of service to others. And the um, the second instruction I see is um, the second to the last sentence. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry this message to other another alcoholic. So um, that instruction for me was um, that, you know, I must carry this message to other compulsive overeaters. So with that, I will pass. Thank you.
Thank you, Anne-Marie. Terry, and I didn't get the initial of your last name. You're up. Hi, Terry. Can I be Hi. heard? Yes. Hi, it's Terry C. Good morning. Uh, thanks for your service. I am just in awe of the story as many times as I hear it over and over and over again. Um, and I'm Terry C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in New Jersey. Um, but the line, six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day. I'm, I'm sitting here just giggling, thinking about the fact that, you know, God must have been the original Hallmark movie screenwriter because this is just too poetic, like that this happened, you know, that this was lined up the way it was. Um, you know, I'm not a I'm not an avid historian, but I know that um, Dr. Bob and his wife were active and had been with the Oxford Group for a couple of years before Bill ever showed up. And I know that you know Bill's spiritual experience and his awakening was sudden, and Dr. Bob's took a little more time, obviously. Because he was exposed to the Oxford group, the same Oxford group that Evie exposed Bill to. And I sit here and sometimes I realize, you know, my recovery story is a little bit more like Dr. Bob's than Bill's. And, um, and I just, you know, I think about how God lined this up, how he just lined this up so beautifully so that we could all be here today talking about why God is the most important thing in our life and not anything else. You know, everything else comes second. Two men, um, you know, uh, Christianity, which inspired the Oxford group, and here we are. And it doesn't matter whether you're Christian or not. Christianity inspired it, but goodness inspired it, you know. Whatever you believe, goodness inspired it. And uh, I'm just grateful, grateful to be here, grateful to be on the meeting, grateful for this story and that it's not just a fairy tale. It really happened. It really happened. And um, I'm here benefiting from it. And thank you. That'll pass. Thank you, Terry. Okay. It looks like we have time for two, two and a half minute shares. Who would like to share? M. Chrissy James. Matt M. And what was that, Chrissy? Yes. Hi. This is okay. Matt M. Matt M., you're up. Thank you. Thank you for your service. I want to share where I'm at. I'm definitely at a point in my life where the big book is becoming more and more important to my life. I'm, I'm quoting excerpts to people on the phone. I'm getting big, big uh, outreach calls to members of Vision and other OAers who are not in Vision. And I'm learning that the big book is a teaching tool. It's, way, it's teaching me how to live my way of life, uh, you know, living life on life's terms. And it's teaching me how to be the map that I know I can be, the map that is um, happy, joyous, and free, the map that's a useful member of society. And, you know, we, I, I used to not want to read the forwards because I thought they were like, what's the point of reading them, you know, the preface and the forwards and the title page and all that other stuff, you know, just let's start right at the doctor's opinion and go. But, you know, the forwards have some information. They have information, historical, historical information. They have information of where we've been, where we've been, and where we're going. And um, it's amazing how each one of them has something to teach us, and each one of them has something that we need to learn and we have to follow, you know. So I'm glad that we're doing them because they do give us, um, you know, ways to show us where we've been, you know. I'm really grateful they're there. 
And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Chrissy, and I didn't catch your last initial, Chrissy. You're up. And Raquel, I did hear you if we have time. Chrissy Jane K. Um, one thing I think that is absolute that we have to do, there is one rule that we've overlooked that has to be done. So we have to give up our isolationism, our completely sealed off from the other, from the world. We cannot recover in a room by ourselves. Even if we have a book, even if we pray, we have to talk to other people. We have to go to a meeting. We have to reach out. We have to make a phone call. That's where the magic happens. That's the things we've done. That's the things we've said. And we have to reach out. That's where everything happens between. It's between Dr. Bob. It's between the Oxford group and, some, and, and uh, uh, Bill. It's between all these. It's between people. Between, between, between. And nothing happens in isolation. Nothing. We have to give up our isolation. We have to get out of our sealed little coffin, if you want to call it, because everything that happens in isolation is endless. And it's only by getting out of isolation that we start to breathe. And that I pass. Thank you, Chrissy. Uh, we have two minutes left, Raquel, if you would like to share. Yes, hi. This is Raquel from Israel. Um, thank you so much. And I, I uh, you stop me, please, because I left my camera in the kitchen. Um, well, the sharing was so beautiful, so beautiful. Uh, well, um, from the depths of the heart. Um, I, I need visuals, visual things. So in the book I found in, in this book, uh, uh, Dan, I found a picture of, um, of Dr. Silkworth. And um, I, I took and I, I blew it up a little with a small picture, not so big. I, I made it for myself and then an idea came to me. I, I made it for a little in small uh, form that can fit into the cover of the big book. And the meetings that I go to, I handed out. You know, I, and I brought it now to me. It's sitting here on the desk. The kindness in his eyes, that that smile, that that tiny little hint of a smile of somebody who knows that the world is not perfect. I look at him and I think to myself, what this man accomplished with sitting here 2018 and, and asking the glory of this, this, what this wonderful man did for us. Thank you for letting me share and uh, oh, have a good, wonderful 
recovering day, everybody. Thank you, Ipes. Thank you so much, Raquel. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, December 19th, is 12,318. That's 12318. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Madeline R. please read page 164? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Madeline R. from Pennsylvania. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will, we will surely, I'm sorry, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I'll pass.